the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the radio talk show host. Well, wait a minute. We can't, we can't save it. America. No one can. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to reclaim my time right now. I'm, I want to reclaim my moment here. Uh, great to be with you, Greg. All same. Another, we're still in our underground bunkers at undisclosed locations uh, somewhere in Southern California. Yeah, we're dodging uh, dodging viruses this week. A high profile loss. Herman Cain uh, succumbed to the illness. It's uh, being reported, and I, uh, you know, that's you know that hit that starts to hit close to home when you start seeing uh, some of these uh, folks that you've actually crossed paths with um, give way to the uh, give way to the virus. He was uh, he still I think at seventy four had you know a. And he was vigorous last time I saw him. Uh, so what a tragedy and a loss. Yes. 74, every year, 74 looks younger and younger. It, it does indeed. I'm only, I'm going to count them, 11 years away from that. That's, you know, and that's the other thing that, you know, is, is a little uh, disconcerting is when your peer group starts, like you said, you start getting younger and younger. Yeah. Oh, we're pleased to have another uh, participant in the show, also in an underground bunker somewhere in an undisclosed location, in an undisclosed state. And that is a many-time guest of our show, Evan Sayet. That's me. Combined... And you know, hey, hey, guys, how are you? Very well. Just very quickly, I, I recognized that it bothered me how old I was getting when you go down the list when they're asking what age group you're in, and there yes. is no other age group after mine. You know, it's a 60 plus. Mm. 60. <laughs> yeah. So we, all, we, all, we all now qualify for the dis- senior citizen discount at Denny's. Well, there you go. And hashtag OK Boomer. <laughs> you know, hashtag, if I can just jump right into it, hashtag OK Boomer is absolutely no different than don't trust anyone over 30. It's exactly what we're witnessing right now is is the coming of age of the 60s radicals. And am I just jumping into it? Is it all right if I do? Yes. You know, back back in the 60s, these these radicals attempted to overthrow the government. They declared war. Bernadine Dorn said, hi, I'm Bernadine Dorn, and I'm going to read you a declaration of, of war. They didn't hide this fact. But the problem was they couldn't find anybody to join the revolution because the people of the greatest generation and then the ones before them had seen the real world, had known what socialism was, either from fleeing it, whether it was Nazi Germany, socialist Germany or socialist uh, Russia, or by going over there and fighting it and seeing it. So they couldn't. So they went on what you guys know is the long march through the institutions. And Mark Rudd said the true flowering of the 60s will come in the 90s when we've taken over the institutions. Well, Rudd was wrong by only because he missed the obvious. They needed one more generation to use those institutions to brainwash the next generation. So from the 60s to the 90s is one generation. Then add 30 years to the 90s and tell me where you are. Let's see. I'll do my common core math. Find Mr. 10. You know, it's 2020. 2020. This, this is exactly who these people are. They are the heirs youth you know instead instead of the um instead of the hitler youth or the product of madrasas or the product of uh, uh of the revolution from from lenin lenin's youth uh the young revolutionaries these are the william heirs youth who are now coming of age which is why they're taking off the mask which is why they're using the same language of revolution which is why you're seeing the same violence in the streets this has been this is the fruition of a very long plan 
It absolutely is. And you have you have written something. Greg's going to uh, set this up for us in a moment. But before we get to your latest work that is still uh, we're, we've got an advanced copy, if that's what it's called in the uh, industry. But we've been treated to uh, your work in advance of it being published. I want to, uh, again, recognize something that you wrote back in 2017 that went viral and explained the Trump era. The title of it in town hall was He Fights. And it was essentially a clarification for those that were confused about Donald Trump and his position in history today. Because what you what you did so well was you said, look, there, there was the dignified individual, you know, the dignified politician, the collegial prop, uh, politician, the proper uh, politician to describe those that uh, came before in their um, in the way they presented themselves, their oratory skills. But in this era, we're at war. And you set that up really well, saying during wartime, things like dignity and collegiality simply aren't the most essential qualities one looks for in their warriors. You gave the example of Ulysses S. Grant, General George Patton, some of their, you know, proclivities of life that, you know, might not make them on the A-list of a holly, you know, of a uh, uh, of a of a dinner party, but were instrumental in who they were. And today we have a leader, a general, if you will, in the culture war named Donald Trump. And you, and and you did a great job of positioning Donald Trump in the culture war and in, in what has unfolded since then. Looking back on that, I think that article's aged pretty well, Evan. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very pleased with how much so much of my, my work has aged. I mean, the original lecture to the Heritage Foundation on how the modern liberal thinks, the original book, The Kindergarten of Eden, how the modern liberal thinks. And, and that article ages extremely well as well. And, and the line that uh, I, I think sums up the article you're talking about, which, by the way, is the single most read article in Town Hall's entire history. Um, I, I, I said that Donald Trump is the first wartime president in the culture war. For the longest time, our side has not recognized that this is war. The other side are not our friends. The other side are not our colleagues. There is no loyal opposition. In fact, they declared themselves the resistance. They they don't. They are not uh, bound in their own beliefs by the Constitution, which which they disavow both as being written by white men, and because they're not nationalists, they're not they're not Americans. They're citizens of the world. So nationalist documents don't apply to them, no matter the oath they take when when taking office. And, you know, Barack Obama said things like bring a gun to a knife fight. But we weren't even bringing a knife to a knife fight. We didn't realize it was a fight. You know, we thought these were disagreements with people of goodwill who shared our common love for this country. Didn't doubt that America was great, but we had debates about how to make it greater. You know, Don, as you said when we were speaking beforehand, it used to be, and this is actually in, in my book, it used to be a debate between two groups, the Democrats and the Republicans, who believed that America was great. How do you, do you make it greater? And the difference was basically in percentage of tax rate, what was in uh, a co- comparison of size of government. It wasn't America was never great. Capitalism is a disease. America must be overthrown. That's now the Democratic Party. And just coming second back to your article, you included the line of speaking of Donald Trump, which Lincoln had said of General Grant when someone complained to him about Grant's excessive drinking. Lincoln said of Grant, and you say of Donald Trump, we can't spare this man. He fights. That's correct. He fights. And unfortunately today, he's about the only Republican that's willing to stand up to the mob to wage the culture war to call out the, the, the BLM Antifa rioters. Where are the rest? Where, where, are, where are the rest of the, um, there's a few other Republicans that are willing to, to stand up, but here's, most of them are hiding under their desks. Here's, here's, here's what I believe the answer is. I believe that there's many of us are waiting for this November to see what happens, to see if our people come out in droves and we blow the left away and, the, the 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 old school prostitutes on the left instead of the ideologues because there are only two people left on the two kinds of people left on the left 
There are the, the left-wing ideologues and there are the prostitutes who won't stand up to them because they just want to get reelected and they know that they will be primaried. They know that they won't get the extremist money, which is where money comes from in, in American politics is from the extremes. Uh, and, and so we'll see if we have this overwhelming victory and they jettison the ridiculous left and we return to a time when there's debate and discussion about percentage and relative size, et cetera, et cetera. But if that were to come and either the other side wins or they steal it or any number of, or they, or they refuse to accept the results of the election again, I, I think we're, we're getting to a place where our side really is preparing for this civil war, which is going to happen starting soon after November, one way or the other. Yeah, but I don't, I don't we, we, we make the mistake of the civil war is coming, and, and you, you may very well be right. You wrote that in the preface of your, of your, of your new book. But that is not a substitute for winning this election. Right. And, but I do think that, our, look, I think Bob, Bob Barr, Bob Barr, uh, William Barr. William Barr, right. That shows how old I am if I'm still referring to Bob Barr than from 100 years ago. But William Barr um, did an outstanding job of both being dignified but letting them expose themselves. Uh, he didn't give an inch. I, I think that a lot of guys on our side, I think things move very slowly in a democracy. Uh, so we're waiting for the the, the uh, AG's report or waiting for any number of things going, where the hell is it? Where are the indictments? Uh, I think we're still playing the game by the rules because if we stop, then it's over. But I think we're going to stop if if this doesn't. It, it's got till November, you know. Right? It's got till November for the people to come to their senses, to to vote overwhelmingly for Trump, to see what happens. We have an election coming up in what three months? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. After those three months, let's see what happens. Okay, but my concern is, and what our what all of our focus needs to be is the next three months. That I agree with. No, in yes. fact, that, that again is why I wrote this book. I mean, it's why I'm getting it out exactly when I when 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 I am because I recognized that there were in my mind two things popped two two books popped into my head that did what I wanted to do. One was Harry Beecher Stowe's uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin which gave moral clarity to the issue of slavery. It made slavery human, real. It laid out what it is instead of just being uh, just something that, that's ephemeral. Um, and it was successful in no small part because it was serialized in newspapers. Right? Common Sense did the same thing for the Revolutionary War. It laid out what the issues are and, and, and gave moral clarity to if we're going to fight, did I say civil? I meant revolutionary war. Um, what what the issues are, and that was only a fifty page book. So I recognized they were both bite sized. They were both easily digestible. They were both easily passed off to somebody and said, "Hey, you know, if you, if, I, if I give you a three hundred page book, you're going to put it on your bookshelf. Get to it when you get to it." So I intentionally made this book. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but it's only about eighty five pages. Uh, because I wanted it to be bite-sized and I wanted it to accomplish because if we're going to go to war starting in November, all right, if we're going to go to war, there needs to be this clarity on both sides, what the socialists are, are siding with and what Americans are fighting for. Let's take a break here and we'll, we'll talk more about your book and the enduring appeal of socialism, notwithstanding its miserable record everywhere it's been tried. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. We'll be back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 1012658. Arizona MLO license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 31990. 
Equal housing opportunity. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We have a great clip here, and this is between Milton Friedman, the Nobel, win- Nobel Prize winning economist, and Phil Donahue, if you remember him from you know, a television talk show. And in two minutes and 24 seconds, Milton Friedman gives in clarity and brevity the Gettysburg Address of economics. When you see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, uh, when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever? Did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism? And whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. (laughs) This, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, And what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. And you add to that, in the last, since the 1970s, there has been a phenomenal reduction in world poverty, people that live on less than a dollar a day. Again, all thanks to the free enterprise system. So, Evan, notwithstanding the crystal clear record of history, how is socialism making a resurgence? Well, it's, it's making a resurgence because, look, Three things happened almost simultaneously 100 years ago. Uh, one of them was World War I, which left the most sophisticated, most advanced cultures in human history physically devastated and, and, and financially uh, bankrupt. So that the fact that they participated in this war, they entered this war and then couldn't get out of this war until such utter devastation had taken place left their forms of government no longer seen as viable. So then what was a viable form of government at that point? If the most advanced societies, governments weren't viable, well, just then, by coincidence, two brand new forms of governments entered the world stage. One of them was Marxism, communism, with the Russian Revolution, which brought the theory of Marxism into the real world for the first time. And... The end of World War One saw the rise and the and the and the uh, enter the world stage of a, of American style, what I'll call modern nationalism or just nationalism. And socialism and nationalism have been fighting each other across the globe for the last hundred years. When the national socialists, when the German socialists were defeated, and then the Soviet socialist empire was collapsed, that that was sort of what what uh, Francis Fukuyama called the the end of history. It was the end of the millennia-long 
challenge to find the best form of governance possible for human beings. And it seemed that communism and socialism had ended up, as Ronald Reagan said it would and it should, on the ash heap of history. And that American nationalism, with, with, with its peace, with its unparalleled peace and prosperity and promise and progress, had, had, had won out across the globe. Well, socialism is back now, partly because we're the first generation to, to have never lived in a world with, with, that, with socialism. So the people who are supporting socialism are the people who've never lived through socialism. They don't really know what socialism is about. And, and so they really only have this image of socialism as almost the um, John Lennon song, Imagine, you know, where, where it would just be peace and kumbaya and all the world live as one. The mistake most people make in trying to understand socialism, though, is they think of it as an ideology. It's not. It's, 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 it's a uh, global structure and an economic model that can be and has been embraced by any number of ideologies. You know, Hitlerism wasn't Stalinism, wasn't Leninism, wasn't Marxism, wasn't Maoism. And democratic socialism isn't Hitlerism, isn't Leninism, isn't. But there is absolutely no difference in the government structure that Bernie Sanders is calling for, that today's violent socialists are calling for, than the violent socialists of the past. It's the same economic structure and global model. You know, one of the things that occurs to me when I'm listening to you explain this and the historical aspect and what um, Milton Friedman so succinctly put down in. And by the way, the one thing that was missing from Phil Donahue's argument was after he had lost the uh, clearly lost the conversation was him yelling at Milton Friedman racist. That's the one tool that he didn't have in his box yet. Uh, but save that, his uh, Milton Friedman's ability to clearly uh, talk about the uh, the differences and, and bring it down to a level that was so simple and so clear. And then to understand the history of this and the context for all of this. I'm 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 really feeling like the average person, the average person who identifies with a worldview on the right lacks the ability to to simply have this conversation because for whatever reason and I think part of it is is that we've been asleep at the wheel um not only in terms of defending the country um you know in our neighborhoods and defending, you know, these economic principles and these governing principles. But we've assumed that the institutional structures were busy defending them. I think in the era of Trump, all of a sudden we're waking up and the protective coding has been peeled back. And we now see these institutions for what they are, both in terms of, uh, you know, them trying to destroy the Trump presidency and having a coup and in terms of destroying America, we're seeing the the fruit of this. But we've been asleep, not only allowing this to happen, but also in developing our own ability to defend our belief system. We don't have that. Is that something that somebody will take away from your new book is the ability to have these conversations so that you can stand in defense of uh, our governing principles and our uh, economic principles? Well, that's very much why I wrote the book in the fashion that I did. It's 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 almost a primer. Uh, it, it lays out in just the most obvious and simple terms things that we all know, but we don't really incorporate into our thinking. For example, there are still many people who think that that, that Hitler was a nationalist, and and so they're not capable of defending that charge. But Hitler very clearly wasn't a nationalist. I mean, one of the first things that he did when, when he came to power was destroy the symbols of German nationalism and replace it with the swastika and other symbols of his greater ambition. I mean, it's, hmm. it, it, it's just so obvious that Hitler wasn't a nationalist because being a German didn't afford you any protections whatsoever. There, there are millions of, of, of German Jews uh, there are millions of German Jews who, who can attest to, you know, who can't attest to that, whose souls will attest to that. Nor did not being a German in any way prevent you from being considered a good Nazi. 
And, and so on when that being note, in German provides when, when being in German provides no protection, not being a German comes with no cost. You can't argue that Hitler was a German nationalist. We're so fortunate to have you for our second half hour. That's going to close out our first half hour with Evan Sayet. His new book that we'll continue to have a conversation about, as well as the bigger conversation of what's unfolding in America as the Unite I Radio Show continues. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank accounts from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available, so if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio show, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen who is waking up, is becoming woker in this uh, modern era of the struggle between uh, good and evil as we're discussing it. You know, Evan, there's an article in American Majority. It's titled Over 700 Socialists Have Won Elections in America. And this article features a video of a, of a young lady, uh, a recent college grad who has gotten into politics named Candy C. DeBaca. And in April of 2019, she was participating in what I'm going to guess is some sort of a candidate forum where she's given the opportunity to talk about what her worldview is and what she intends to do if elected to the Denver City Council. Here's Candy C. DeBaca explaining uh, just how she wants to uh, revolutionize and transform Denver, Colorado. I, I don't believe that our current economic system actually works. Um, capitalism by design is extractive, and in order to generate profit in a capitalist system, something has to be exploited. That's land, labor, or resources. And I think that we're in late-phase capitalism, and we know it doesn't work, and we've got to move into something new. And I believe in community ownership of land, labor, resources, and distribution of those resources. And so whatever that morphs into, I think think is what will serve community the best. And I'm excited to usher it in by any means necessary. And the chilling part about that audio is the way she ends it after explaining she believes in the community ownership of land, labor and resources and distribution. She's prepared to bring that about by any means necessary. Any means. That means it's all on the table, including what we see unfolding in our urban centers around the country. You said it. I don't know if we were on the air yet when when you said it, but they get to the left gets to call themselves a different kind of socialist Mm -hmm. because people confuse. And this is so central to my book, The Woke Supremacy. They confuse socialism with an ideology. So because their ideology isn't Hitlerism, because their ideology isn't Leninism, because their ideology isn't Maoism, They think that their socialism is better than their ideology is better than those. But even John Lennon, the nicest guy in the world, laid out the three requisites. No, he truly was. I I, I knew the man. He lays out the three requisites, the requirements for paradise, that there be no personal possessions, that there be no countries and that there be no religion. 
Right? That's what this woman is basically saying, because these are the three requisites, prerequisites for any socialist um, regime, whether it was Hitler's or others. Well, the problem with those three requisites is they're also the three preconditions for the authoritarianism, the totalitarianism that socialism has never once yet failed to bring. This is because without personal possessions, the individual doesn't have the means to stand up to an authoritative government, to an authoritarian and totalitarian government. Without nations, there are no other countries strong enough to stand up to the globalist dictator. And without God, without religion, there, there is no moral code that supersedes the mandates of the government. So no matter what the socialist ideology, the ideology that gloms onto socialism, no matter what it is, they have laid down the, the, the three conditions necessary for the kind of authoritarianism and totalitarianism that socialism has never once yet failed to bring. And in fact, even in its purest form, in just theory, before it's even entered the real world with real world personalities and real world shortcomings like greed and, and things that human beings have, even in Marx's theory, he said there would first have to be a dictatorship of the proletariat. There would have to be a violent, powerful dictatorship to, you know, think about John Lennon's words, um, for all the people to live as one. Well, whatever that one is, Hitler had an idea what that one should be, Aryans. Marx and, and Lenin had an idea what that one should be, workers. Well, the democratic socialist has an idea of what that one should be. They call them the woke. But in order for the world to live as one, all of the others have to in some way be dealt with. And she's going to deal with it just like every other socialist ever dealt with it by any means necessary. Yep. And inevitably, you need the dictatorship of the proletariat is not a dictatorship of millions or tens of millions of people. It's a dictatorship of one or a small cabal or politburo that's going to run things supposedly for the benefit of everyone else. And given human nature, we, we've seen how that repeatedly turns out. And well, that actually is some good news in there because the, 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 the truism that you often hear is that revolutions eat their own. And we're seeing this in, I don't know if you guys saw it in the paper, in the paper, <laughs> whatever you kids use these days. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you saw it. On, on that internet thing, um, but 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 in, uh, in Portland, the the mothers who were standing up to protect the the BLM, they just got kicked out of the movement. They just got kicked out of the movement because they weren't pure enough. And that's one thing about even this: you have to be a hundred percent pure. Even the democratic socialists will not accept even one mistake. Whether it's uh, in in the book, I talk about Tammy Bruce made the mistake of putting feminism ahead of the supremacy, the, the woke supremacy. Uh, Lawrence Summers at uh, Harvard University who put science ahead of the woke supremacy. Bernie Goldberg who put journalism ahead of the woke supremacy and all three of them lost their jobs. And then I highlight it with the story about tonight's show host, Jimmy Fallon. Fallon was number one in the late night ratings. Everybody in the woke supremacy loved him. Everybody wanted to be on his show. And then he had Donald Trump on. And instantly, he dropped to number three in the ratings behind the two more now uh, more reliable woke supremacists. And they, they badgered him so much, he asked online, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to kill myself? Because he had Donald Trump on the show. This guy made one mistake. He had a, a, a good guest on his show, but you're supposed to serve the supremacy, not be a late night talk show host. You're supposed to serve the supremacy. You know, every the reason that, that they look at the world and, and they say, I don't care what those other socialists did. We're going to do it right. is because socialists are supremacists. Every one of them believes that the failures and the, and the crimes of the others was due not to the system, but to their ideology. So then each one of them then invented a new and this time perfect ideology that when embraced by the entire world, the world would then live as one in peace and prosperity. You know, Hitler's gas chambers weren't his original purpose. They were a means to an end. He didn't imagine a world filled with gas chambers and ovens. He imagined a world after the gas chambers and ovens had accomplished their goals. 
Mm. You know, Lenin and Stalin didn't imagine a world of gulags and, 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 and mental institutions and exiles to frozen tundra. They imagined the world of a worthless paradise after those things had been accomplished. Right. So they wanted to accomplish their ends, which was a perfect world, according to their perfect ideology, where all the people would live as one. Just like today's democratic socialists, the difference is who and what that one is. But nonetheless, those things were simply the means to an end by any means necessary. Well, you know, before the Antifa mobs were moms were banned, I read through the list of demands, which, and the demands included uh, participation trophies for all the Antifa and Antifa rioters. <laughs> Whether they sawed through a chain or not. Yeah, uh, You know, it's, it's funny. Here we are. We're talking about the end of the world as we know it, gulags and gas chambers and a joke or two. You know, yeah, you, no matter what, no matter how grim it looks, you got to figure out some way to keep some levity about this because – Otherwise, the one thing that I think that the left is trying to beat out of the right, the media is trying to beat out of the right, is hope. That's the one thing that Donald Trump does when he gets up and he talks about uh, in the midst of a of a of a unfolding pandemic, um, as in some some people might say it was ineloquent. Uh, maybe the words he used or the examples he used uh, were, you know, we're going to beat this thing wasn't exactly right. But he continues to paint a picture, a vision of what the future should bring, of what we should be shooting for, striving for. And that's the one thing I think that uh, not, not the one thing, but that's one of the things I think that Donald Trump does as a business owner. You are trying to constantly strive towards this picture of what the future looks like as your business grows and expands and prospers. And you're painting that picture for your fellow employees to enroll them in that vision so that they can help to bring that about. That's what Donald you know, Trump does, because if they lose hope. If, if, go ahead. I'm sorry. Con conversely, it's the lack of hope that they're trying to instill in their own people as well. And, and they've succeeded with the other people. In, in fact, if you look at supremacies, they have nothing in their lives except the supremacy. Right? There's no, the, the white supremacist has nothing in common with a, another white supremacist except for the fact that he's a white supremacist. The, the, the worker, the, uh, the, the proletariat, have nothing in common with another worker except for the fact that they're both workers. And the woke supremacist has nothing in common with his fellow woke supremacist except that he's a supremacist. And, and once you've given them anything else in their life, anything else, but they've taken away art because art is now used as a tool of hate. They've taken away science because science is now a tool of hate. They've taken away being a great journalist. You can't aspire to be a great journalist because if you're a great journalist, the mob is going to come get you for telling the truth. So you no longer have the desire to be a great journalist. You know, one of the stories I tell uh, in, in, in The Woke Supremacist, it actually has a subtitle, an anti-socialist manifesto, um, is, is, is the story of Nancy Spector, who is the curator of the Guggenheim Museum in New York City. Now, at some point in her life, Nancy Spector must have had a desire, a love of great art. And yet here she is, her most recent exhibit is a gold toilet bowl that she had installed in the men's room. And I don't know if it's a men's room. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's a you know gender neutral room. Uh, but it's, a, it's an actual exhibit called America. All right. So obviously there was no desire to, to promote great beauty. There's no, nothing beautiful about a toilet bowl. It's not the contrast in colors. It's not the form and design. It's a, any of the things that would bond people to great art is no longer a bonding thing to, to the supremacists, only hate for America. You can't love art and, and be friends with Nancy Spector. You can only hate America and be friends with Nancy Spector. You can't think that, you know, you, you, she used to be able to bond with fellow New Yorkers over the pride of so much beauty and sophistication being so readily at hand in New York. But now she can't bond with her fellow New Yorkers. She can only bond with fellow New Yorkers who hate America. And so everything becomes, and in fact, even Orwell, and time and again in this book, it's, it's uncanny, the parallels between Orwell. You know, one of the great things about Orwell, his genius, wasn't in his recognition of the totalitarian and authoritarianism 
of, of socialism. This was well known and well understood by all. Again, that's why that's why Marx had uh, uh, the, the, the dictatorship of the proletariat. Even it was recognizing that the advanced technologies would take the place of the gulags and the death camps. They would accomplish in, with, with technological uh, efficiency. But no matter what, those other things, those gulags, those death camps, those killing fields in China, they were just more primitive technologies of what is called a cancel culture. Well, I think you understand that- really big here. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, continue with that discussion after the break and a word from All-Star Collision place to take your car when you have an accident because they are true the kings of rock and roll back after this when you're in an auto accident you want quality repairs done as fast as possible all you need is all-star for 20 years car star all-star collision and corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity so when the inevitable happens to you all you need is car star all-star collision 951-279-9161 Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IAE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are visiting with political commentator, author, and comedian, not necessarily in that order, Evan say it. And before we forget to do so, Evan, why don't you tell us how we can, uh, can how people can connect with you and where they can find your books. Well, all things Evan say it can be found at evansayit.com, E-V-A-N-S as in Sam, A-Y-E-T.com. The book I am shooting to have up on Amazon this coming Monday. So it's coming oh. up quickly. Yep. Coming up quickly. I'm just finishing up cover design and a couple of the other things that, you know, the the, the busy work that has to be done in publishing a book. Um, but it's there. And, you know, you guys got got a preview of it. So but evansayit.com is the best thing to do and keep an eye out for the woke supremacy an anti-socialist manifesto. Before the break, you were talking about is that the uh, the modern socialists, if they get power, won't rely so much on the the gulag or the secret police, or the torture chambers, but on other means. Elaborate yeah. on that. Yeah, I, I, mean, I believe what I was saying was that the, the, the great insight of, of George Orwell in 1984, the book 1984, was not so much the totalitarianism and authoritarianism inherent in socialism, uh, nor, nor was he talking about the specific ideologies of Hitlerism, Stalinism, Leninism, Maoism, which all occurred during his lifetime. So he had many opportunities, ample opportunity to, to, to write specifically about those ideologies. He wasn't warning about an ideology or even social, socialism as an ideology. He was warning about socialism as a system, no matter who then embraced it, no matter what perfect world they this time imagined. And, you know, we always think about things like gulags and, and, and killing fields of, of China uh, and the gas chambers and whatnot. And we always associate that with the ideology of the socialist. But gulags and gas chambers and killing fields aren't ideologically driven. Who is sent to them is. Right? These are not ends in and of themselves. They are means to an end. Hitler didn't imagine a world with gas chambers and ovens. He imagined the perfect world after the gas chambers and ovens had accomplished their goal. Right? Lenin and Stalin didn't imagine a world of gulags and, and, and work camps. They imagined the world after the gulags and work camps. Well, all we have today, what, what, what Orwell recognizes is that the technology of today would replace those things. Those things are just more primitive tools of what today we call a cancel culture. So today, you know, if, if, if Lenin could have just flipped a switch and accomplished the same end, if Hitler could have just uh, waved a wand and accomplished the same end, if Mao could have, uh, what did I leave out? I don't know, clap his hands and, and accomplish the same end, surely they would have. Well, today's socialists still can't do those things, but what they can do is write a couple of lines of code and accomplish the same end that those other means sought to accomplish, the silencing of all the others. Right? So these things that we always associate with the horrors of these other ideologies, they are simply more primitive tools of what today we call a cancel culture. 
You know, I had to laugh as the as the uh, rioters around the country were complaining about uh, un uh, unmarked officers, unmarked police officers whisking away their fellow comrades in unmarked cars. You know, if you're worried about that, then maybe socialism or Marxism or communist may, <laughs> communism may not be your thing, because that's exactly what happens. You've said you've framed it in terms of a cancel culture, but that's nothing more than a street level form of cancel culture, which is necessary in order to eradicate ideologically opposed people. And, you know, the the bottom line is, who determines who's the ideological opposition? It's the person in power. And one day, that could be you just because of a subtle difference in your worldview or your belief or even who should be in charge. All right. Or even, as, as I said, I believe in the last segment, if you stray even one iota, from the dictates and the orthodoxies and, 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 and the narratives of the supremacy, no matter what the supremacy, even the most dutiful, loyal, and much beloved supremacist goes in an instant into being the other. And by the way, this is um, Saul Linsky's rules. Saul Linsky mm-hmm. said, I, I hope I can remember this quote. It's been a while since I looked at this chapter, but he said, those who, for any combination of reasons, oppose the Reformation become allies of the far political right. In other words, if you, for any reason at all, object to anything the, 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 the radicals do, you are thus convicted, summarily convicted, of the greatest betrayal mankind has ever known, aiding and abetting the enemy at a time of war. And this is exactly how they treat people who even make one mistake. And by the way, you're getting to see some people, some on the left starting to get it, like Matt Taibbi of Rolling Stone magazine who recently wrote an article that included the line, the left in America is losing its mind, and then went on to talk about how they callously and carelessly and casually destroy the lives of of even people on the left if they make Mm. just one mistake. Even if it's found out you tweeted something 20 years ago. It's enough to have the most beloved Kevin Hart canceled from his job. And one of the one of the ways we see on the street violence, the threats, the intimidation, they'll show up at people's homes. Uh, for right now, they just show up and make the, and make the threats. But uh, that may that can, that, can, that could easily change. But it's also through economics, and people get people are getting all across the country are getting fired for saying, you know, even just. There are examples of, well, yeah, I don't think defunding the police is a good idea. Right, you're out. And then, That's and enough. Then get, and, then get fired, and then get fired for that. We know one of our local activists, I won't use the person's name on the air, uh, was fired for political postings. Well, one, fact, one, thing about, one thing about the other side, and this has been true, whether it was Hitler, whether it was Lenin, whether it was Stalin, whether it was Mao, is, is that, you know, they said by any means necessary – Actually, a more accurate expression would be by all means available. There is not a, a thing, not a baseball game, not a chicken sandwich. There is nothing that is not political and must. And, and if there's one mistake made, if the CEO of a company comes out in support of a conservative position, they go after they go after that franchise. They go after that store. They go after that businessman. They go after that person. It's all the time from every angle, you know. That's the word. That's what the word totalitarian means. It's total. And and while once in a while we throw a punch back here and a punch back there, they never rest because this is the only thing in their lives. As I said, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in Orwell's 1984, he gives the the the, the people of Oceania um, the two minutes hate where every single day for two minutes they focus on this mythical enemy and they scream, and, and it's the only humanity they have in their lives because the rest of the time they're following what the supremacy orders them to do. And that's sort of what America and Donald Trump have become. Donald Trump is sort of the Goldstein of 1984. He's this mythical, all-evil that gives the democratic socialist purpose in their life because if your purpose isn't to promote great art, and if you're an artist, what's your purpose? If your purpose isn't to be report the truth, either as a historian like Howard Zinn, who, who, who said objectivity is undesirable, mm-hmm. uh, well, 
of objectivity is undesirable to the historian. What's desirable to him? Only hate. It's the only thing they have left. So it's 24-7 and across all fields uh, and, and everywhere. It's total. It's totalitarian. Because they, they have a goal. They have an idea in mind. And, be, and that gives them power. That gives them – that, that focuses them. And when your people are focused on things – they're much more a small a small group who is totally focused on achieving something can often achieve it over a much larger group who doesn't know what they want. And we got well, 24 that, seconds. That, that, that's exactly true. But hopefully, you know, one good thing I see, I've got 19, 18, 17 seconds. So very quickly, America has always been slow to the fight. We were slow to World War One. We were slow to World War Two. We were slow to the Cold War. We were slow to the Culture War. We won World War One. We won World War Two. We won the Cold War. We're going to win the Culture War. There you go. Optimism. A final note to end on. Greg, it's been great being with you. Evan, thank you for spending the hour with us. Good luck with your new book. We'll have you back so we can talk about how things are progressing into the election. It's been the Unite IE Radio Show every Saturday at 4 o'clock and other times when our producer sees fit to slip us in. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California, DRE ID number 10126585, Arizona, NMLO license number 092643, Branch, NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity. AM 590, the answ